This episode of Warp 5 is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for your smartphone, tablet, or desktop. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Also, help us keep Star Trek discussion coming to you each day by becoming a Trek FM patron through Patreon. Get access to exclusive content and become part of the team. You'll find all the details at patreon.com slash trekfm. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekfm. Hi, I'm Anthony Montgomery, Ensign Travis Mayweather on Star Trek Enterprise, and you're listening to Trek FM. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Warp 5, our dedicated Enterprise show. I'm Christopher Jones, and joining me today on the show, I have two guests here on the bridge of the NX-01. Two voices that you're already very familiar with from listening to the show here. Back with us after a bit of a break is Tyler Johnson. Tyler, welcome back. It's great to be here. And also with us from not much of a break, he's here quite often, Tommy Kraft. Tommy, welcome back. Thank you, but I would prefer that we go to the NX-04, just saying. I know, I know, I know, but I, I I wasn't sure if it was ready yet for us to actually record there. I know it's still under construction. Tuesday. Tuesday, all right. <laughs> Let's postpone our next recording until Tuesday. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, guys, well, thanks for coming on today to talk about sort of a hypothetical topic. A lot of times on the show, you know, we will dig in. Last week, we talked about Orions on Enterprise, so that was something very specific. But today, we're going to talk about the hypothetical Enterprise film. What I've always heard, I think you guys have probably heard this as well, is that the plan was that the Enterprise crew, Archer and his crew, would be handed the baton to the film franchise after the next generation finished their run in the theater. But a couple of things happened that kind of nixed that plan. Nemesis didn't do well at the box office. That was the end of the film franchise. And then Enterprise was canceled after four seasons. So that was the end of Star Trek on television. And we still don't have any new Trek yet on TV today. So we never got the Enterprise film. Voyager fans have long wanted to have a Voyager film. And our sister show to The Journey, they did a show where they talked about what it would be like for Voyager to have a film. So I wanted to do the same for Enterprise. Tyler, I'm going to have you kick this off because you have mentioned to me a number of times about wanting to talk about this topic. So let's start off maybe by talking about storylines that we might want to see because the original series picked up off of Space Seed and then TNG played off of The Best of Both Worlds and other Borg stories. What do you think of when you think of an Enterprise film? Oh, God, I have a bunch of stuff. I mean, the the first thing, and we've covered this before in a previous podcast, is if there are any subsequent Enterprise uh, films, seasons, whatever happens, just Trip's not dead. That's just how it is. So everything That's a else given. I- <laughs> Trip is not dead. That's a given. Yeah, so everything I say from here on out is going to assume that. Um, but I think there's a lot of stuff they could explore. I, I you know, and I, the other th- the other things that came to mind first are maybe s- some things I don't want to see. I don't want to be negative about it, but you know, I would love to see it just be an enterprise movie, not a crossover, not a captain from another time. You know, um, just just a, a real story told in that universe that's straight ahead, so to speak. Does that make sense? That's how I feel too. How about you, Tommy? Would you would you want to see a crossover? A lot of fans really get worked up about the idea of crossovers. And I see fans who tweet or post on Facebook or places like, what we need is a show which combines the crews from all the other shows, and it's kind of a mix and match thing. It really depends on how it's done and who exactly is crossing over because with the Star Trek universe as a whole, there's just so much you can draw from and cross over 
for instance, one thing in terms of a race I would like to see crossed over uh, are the Cardassians. Because they were mentioned once in Enterprise, and that, uh, it was season four. And, well, we saw uh, one in Iraq. And that's right, stuff, yeah. Right? And I think what would be a really cool story is introducing them, not only in a Star Trek feature film, because we haven't seen them in the Star Trek movies, but also introducing them to the Star Trek universe. How did we first meet the Cardassians? Mm-hmm. That would be a really cool kind of crossover. Now, bringing Captain Picard back in time to work with Captain Archer, maybe not as much. It depends, <laughs> but I love Patrick Stewart, so it could work. But I I agree with Tyler that an Enterprise-centric story where these people get to tell their story would be best, the way TNG got to with their movies, with three of their movies anyway. In terms of time frame, here's here's another question. So the original series, The Wrath of Khan, picked up where Space Seed left off, the fact that, that Khan was left behind. And they pick up on that, but it's many, many years later. What would you guys want to see in terms of a time frame? Would it be something like The Next Generation, where we're really just picking up where the series left off? Or is there a jump like that, where the crew, things have changed for them? I don't know. I would kind of like to see more or less where the show left off because there is so much starting there that you could pick up on for movies. The Romulan War, for one, which we've talked about extensively. Any I of hear that you're would doing make... something with that. Tom. Yeah, maybe a little something. Uh, <laughs> you know, anything Romulan War, I mean, as evidenced by the fact that I'm doing a Romulan War movie, I think that makes a great storyline in and of itself. And you then get to reference to a lot of Trek future Trek canon that makes Trekkies happy as well. Mm-hmm. But there's also other storylines you could pull on to for for a standalone movie that you could easily do picking up right where Enterprise left off. And you wouldn't have to worry about Trip being dead. <laughs> of course. Trip is not dead. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Trip is not dead. I, I wouldn't mind it if it was a couple years later. I think it is um you know, the, the the Romulan War sort of story is being tread a little bit in a really interesting way. So it'd be nice to see something in a different direction um, for me. I mean, I'd, I'd want to see that, but, it, you know, there's people kind of tackling that already. So I think that, you know, there, there's something interesting about getting them, you know, the, the, they, they come into that first season not really being space, uh, having their space legs underneath them. Let's put it that way. You know, they're fi- still figuring it out. It'd be interesting to see them as a little bit more veteran crew, five or six years down the road, maybe one or two of them are on another ship, you know, and they're running across each other. I I actually would like to see that kind of time period personally. They were already getting to be more veteran too by the, by season four. I mean, they were, they, I think at that point they were real, especially Captain Archer was starting to get his space legs under him and that would help a lot too with telling a movie story. And two, with your idea of if, if it were placed a little further down the road, you could also have something like the motion picture where, you know, they where the various members of the crew were kind of meeting up again, where Spock comes back on board and Kurt sees Spock for the first time in a while. And one of the things I really love about the motion picture is the great sense of exploration and imagination mm-hmm. that that movie has. And that would be really cool to see. And I think very appropriate for an enterprise movie because of how new they are to space and to exploring space it would be really fertile ground for for having this kind of exploration mysterious wonderful imaginative imaginative imagery kind of movie not only that but you know the actual actors are going to be older now so Mm -hmm. it just looks right on screen you don't have to do as much uh, manipulation and makeup to make them look the same age and Mm -hmm. then there is something about you know when they did the first star trek movie it was um, it was a it was you know reunion for the fans as much as the crew. So you were saying, oh okay, where have they been? They've been on different ships. What's going on? And it's actually better that they're just not in the same place doing the right. same thing all those years later. And I, I you know I think that appeals to me as well. It's kind of like, hey, what have you guys been up to? What's the last? What's it been? Ten years now? It's been longer than that. Yeah, guess, it's hard to but, yeah longer. It's hard to believe. Wow, that's amazing. Anyway, you know all the years that have gone by, like stuff has happened in their lives as well. Plus, Travis is going to look awesome when he beams aboard the ship with that big beard on. Yeah, him. <laughs> they should they should put him in a fat suit. He should be like four hundred pounds. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> maybe he's been a cargo captain. Maybe he decided to leave Starfleet for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. could be. Um, 
I, I probably, if they were making the movie today, I would lean towards the idea, yes, of let's jump ahead. Right, yeah, years. I would too. Because for me, I grew up with the original series. That's what I watched when I was a kid. And there was no next generation at that time. So it was Kirk, Spock, it was TOS for me. And as much as I love that, the Kirk and the Spock, especially, and the Dr. McCoy that I love are the characters from the films, especially Kirk. Yeah. You know, movie Kirk, I love as a captain much more than the original series Kirk. So it's really interesting to think about what Archer or what T'Pol or what Trip would be like if they were, let's say, 15 years older on their timeline than the, than they were the last time we saw them. Right. And, my, of course, my original answer of having it take place directly after the show is if the movie had been made in 2003 or 2004. Right, right, right. I think that in would that have been case, the best choice. Yeah. In that case, I think I would want to see a continuation, like you said. Yeah. And it's it's the same thing, too, if, you know, if the season five campaign had any kind of success... I think they'd have a very hard time with the Romulan War and doing things directly after the show went off the air because just mm-hmm. too much has changed in the past 10 years. And, you know, Scott Bakula still looks great, but, you know, he's getting grayer and and even Trip is getting gray, you know, Connor Trenier. And, and mm-hmm. it's just, you know, the things that not that just being gray is all that matters. But, yeah, if it were made now, I think they'd definitely have to change it. You know, I hear Sluggo still looks exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> and Porthos hasn't aged today either. He's aged very well for for a uh, for a canine. Mm-hmm. It's all that warp travel. He's going faster than light speed, right? Exactly. Yeah. So with storylines, like if we were to pick up a story, an episode that we saw on the series and use that as the seed for a storyline in a film... Does any particular thing come to mind where you think this would be something wonderful to play off of, a specific character or a specific event? I have a question for you, actually, before thinking about that answer. When Mm -hmm. Khan was in the original series and you watched it for the first time as a kid, Mm-hmm. Did it? Would it have stood out to you as an episode where you thought, "Oh man, this would make a great feature film," like to bring no. this character back? See that because looking back on it now myself, everybody sees the character of Khan and think because we know the movie came, you know, mm-hmm. oh this is this is a great character that's going to be in a feature film. But I think you know, I that's why I asked the question because how did it look back then to you? And so it's hard right, to right. say that now for for Enterprise is well, which one of those characters would work. I would also say on the subject that if you go back now, if you can do it in your mind, if you can just separate the fact that yes, Spacey gave us Khan, Khan gave us the Wrath of Khan, the Wrath of Khan pretty much gave us the rest of Star Trek because. If the Wrath of Khan had not been as successful as it was, we probably wouldn't have anything right. that came after. You know, it really saved the franchise, I think. And if you can separate that in your mind and just go watch Space Seed right now as an episode and just grade that as an episode and forget what it gave us later, I still am not sure that you would look at that episode and say, this is something they should definitely follow up on. This is the key this is the moment in the original series that's the key to everything else. Right. And not, and, o- not only that, I think that's kind of a lot of what Enterprise did is let's pick up uh, a species that was sort of less thought about, that people forgot about, um, you know, in, in the major film and TV canon. And let's, you know, let's highlight that and let's bring that into the series and um, and make them a major player. And so it would make more sense that they would cherry pick a, a smaller episode or a lesser known character to bring in and have that be the focus of the movie. Yeah. Cause I, I can't, I'm trying to think of episodes off the top of my head where they had left this great thread dangling that would be the, a, a good premise to continue on future guy. Fu- yes. There you go. Future guy, <laughs> which a- uh, yeah. Which so happens to be a major premise in, in my project. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know why I didn't think of that. <laughs> but, well, I think, you know, a movie centered around Chef could be interesting. Yes, of course. It's just Especially because we never saw the face. Yeah, POV. Right. <laughs> the one that comes to mind for me is what the series was left with when it ended, what was left dangling, which was the whole Demon's Terra Prime right. storyline. Yeah, 
But that would have to be a movie where you were continuing right after the series. If you were moving ahead to where they're older, as we've talked about, hopefully that would have been resolved by then. Right. So if we go to an older movie, I think maybe looking at something like Babel 1, something dealing with the way that the Tellarites and the Andorians and the humans and the Vulcans are going to come together, picking up threads like Christopher L. Bennett is in the Rise of the Federation books, where we're actually seeing the Federation being formed, and maybe a new threat that comes there. You know, Again, it all comes back to Romulans, though. Like, I'm trying to think, is yeah. there a way to do a movie that doesn't center on Romulans? But the Romulans are the ones who really don't want the Federation to come together. Right. The Romulans or the Orions. So maybe the Orions could be the the villain of the film. And that would be really interesting, too, because we've never really seen the Orions in the movies. So that would... I mean, we've seen definitely seen the Romulans more than once in the feature film canon. So it mm-hmm. would be cool to see the Orions. And I think we also really need to involve Shran. That's a thread that has to be picked up for mm-hmm. for a movie. Yeah, I do think that whole idea of, uh, you, you know, Rise of the Federation style, um, you know, you maybe you aren't starting right when it, it's all coming together. Maybe it's a few years into it, but there's there's tension, right? There's there's, you know, um, how do how do these races actually coexist five years in? It sounded good. Everyone was excited and, they, you know, they, they bought into the concept. And now what? Right you know, now we've got a danger. And can we really work together when it, when the chips are down? Yeah, that's actually a good idea. What were the early years of the Federation like? Because we kind of get the, I think we give ourselves the impression that the charter was signed and everything was just hunky-dory for the next few hundred years. But there would certainly have been some kind of issue, not necessarily an issue, but some kind of conflict or or figuring out how this is actually going to work that could definitely be interesting storytelling. And maybe if we still wanted to involve the Orions, maybe they could try to dissolve or infiltrate the Federation somehow. Um, or there could be some sort of crime issue with with some with people in the early Federation. I don't know. Interesting, interesting ideas. Maybe. So here's an idea. When you're dealing with a movie, of course, you've got to have a threat that is going to hook people in and you're going to need to resolve it within two hours. Right. So what we see in the novels with, the development of the Federation maybe wouldn't play out as well on film. But we know if Jonathan Archer becomes president of the Federation, if we jump ahead, you could have a storyline where you have the Orion Syndicate trying to assassinate Archer. Oh, yeah. In order to prevent the Federation from gaining power, which would then disrupt their operations. That's a great idea. I don't know. I'd like to see a big adventure. I'd like to see him head off in a completely different direction away from Earth. And just, you could you could still do that though. Yeah. I mean, you could even have for some reason Archer, even though he's the president, he has to uh, he has to take command again for some <laughs> reason. I mean, you, you can always see that before. So, so wait, he just goes on the ship and takes command. Well, when I, has I this think, happened? I think what happened is the NX-01. It's now it's a training ship for cadets, and he goes on to inspect it, and then there's an emergency call, and he has to wait a minute. I think I've heard this before. <laughs> Hey, you guys, so I have an idea for a cold opening. And to, Tommy, I'm glad you're here. Can I can I pitch it to you guys and just see what sure. you think? Of course. Okay. So here's my idea. It's We're going to start off with a beautiful shot of the NX-01. Hate it. Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and done. Um, and, yeah. it, you know, it's flying. Lots of music. Music, background of stars. Yeah. It, at first, it's, it's sort of like the opening of Voyager where it's very serene. And then it starts doing banking and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. It, it's it's moving around, it's flying, it's amazing, and then boom, it crashes. The end. Pull back, and what do you see? You see a small kid controlling a remote control NX-01, just like Archer did on the show, mm-hmm. and and they are twelve years old or something. That then becomes your point of view character for the for the movie. So that's now the new cadet that's on the show, or maybe that's the captain who takes over for Archer. You know, on down the line. Um, and that's now your point of view character that you're following. What do you guys think? I could see it working. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really interesting idea. Um, it it would it would depend on where it goes from there because as a cold opening, it's interesting at first, but then what happens afterwards after you realize it's a kid flying a remote control ship, it's it's not as interesting for to hook an audience. But to introduce a character, that's a great way to introduce a character, and it definitely very much calls back to Archer. 
Well, and then also, you know, as with every movie, you have to blow up the ship at some point. So it's foreshadowing right. that you're going to blow up the ship. <laughs> it also is foreshadowing generations, too. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a direct scene lift of Archer flying the, the remote right. control yeah, thing exactly. with his dad. So. so blowing up the ship could be a way for us to finally get the NX refit with the full right. secondary hull. They have to then... Is it's a new enterprise? Maybe they can salvage the saucer section, yeah, and then they will <laughs> use that to to build a new ship. You you mentioned like let's go the other way from Earth. I was just picturing this opening where they're up there, they're on the NX-01. Archer tells Travis to turn the ship around, so he spins the ship around, <laughs> and then he goes, "Let's go that away." That away? Yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, basically, which way is Zindi space? The exact opposite direction. Let's okay, see what's so, out he, there. so <laughs> yeah, here's an Zindi idea. Zindi is a huge one that could be picked up on. Yeah, that's this is what I was formulating. It's in the future, so we know that now. Now, fans typically don't like the Zindi arc, so I don't know how many fans would get excited about this. But if we're just thinking about things that you could pick up, we know that the Zindi did not destroy Earth. Archer built some trust with Degra and with members of the Council. If we jump ahead into the future, and of course we also saw the vision in the future in the battle where there were Zindi crew members on the Enterprise J, right? We don't need to jump that far ahead, but if we just jump ahead a bit where the the Federation, or at least humans and the Zindi are working together a bit, there's a new threat to our part of the galaxy and humans and Vulcans and Andorians and Zindi all have to work together to counter that threat. I like that idea a lot, and it 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 enhances the Cindy storyline. And you could even find some sort of way to say that Commander Dolom survived the uh, the explosion of the of the weapon, mm-hmm. and because I think he was a great villain, I would love to see him back. Actually, he could be our Khan, and maybe he's even the main antagonist now. He's even turned against the Cindy because the Cindy turned on him, more which would or less. make perfect sense based on yeah. the storyline that we already got. Right? Yeah. Uh, that that would be an ex- excellent, and you could, and it wouldn't require that the viewer necessarily see the backstory, which I right. think is the important part of doing this kind of story. I I saw the Wrath of Khan long before I ever saw Space Seed. Oh, lots and of I got people, it, yeah, yeah, lots and of I got have it no idea fine. where Khan came. Right, from. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would I I like that idea a lot. That's my favorite. And we can still have the opening. We can introduce this new character, you know, the kid flying the ship. Maybe he's Archer's kid, and Archer's the one flying the ship with him now to really bring it mm-hmm. home, you know, full circle. Yeah, or, well, yeah, there, there, I had a few other ideas too, but yeah, I think that's probably better than my ideas. <laughs> well, that's um, sort of passing the baton. The, the, the mm-hmm. thing about the con- radio-controlled ship, and if that were Archer and it were his kid, it is sort of a, a way of passing the baton to the next generation of explorers. Right. Well, and part of the idea when I was thinking of that ship is that this is a big deal on Earth, right? We're now at the point where the NX-01 is just this famous ship who had all these adventures and, you know, is really credited with saving humanity multiple times. And that crew is the first crew that went out there and did all that. And so, it, you know, it's it kind of shows their position without you having to know the whole backstory. Um, but going back to what you guys were saying, I do think the other thing about this indie arc that'd be interesting is we could learn a little bit more about the sphere build builders, which I've always wanted. Oh to learn yeah, more about me too. Mm-hmm. I always, I they were like actually, I think they were my favorite arc of stories on Enterprise was anything involving the sphere builders because there was just such a, a sense of grandeur and mystery with them that would be really I, interesting to see explored. It was one of my favorite storylines in terms of it being fascinating and there being potential there, and as I've talked about on here before they didn't explore it enough. Yeah. So, well, let me ask you this. Would it be too on the nose? Would it be too much of a connection to the series if what I was talking about earlier where there's a threat and the Zindi and the humans have to work together, if the Sphere Builders came back? Is that too much of a callback to the show? Do you want to see something more original? I don't think it is because I think it can easily be done in a way that doesn't require viewing the show, mm-hmm. especially because there wasn't that much interaction really between the crew of the NX-01 and the Sphere Builders. So, I mean, not not enough for them to really be able to identify them, you know, in terms of their technology and what they would look like if they were if the threat was even larger, if they were more directly attacking yeah, I totally agree because I think there's a there's a way that 
you know, this new threat could show up and they're trying to figure out what the heck it is. And for fans, maybe they say, wait a minute, those are the, those are the sphere builders. I know who those guys are. I know what's going on, but they don't even need to literally say it. You know, yeah. it can be something that sort of that's the backstory if you want to know that it's there. But if you don't want to know it's there, you just there's a whole new species that you're getting to learn about. Or who knows? I mean, maybe they're more than a species. It's hard to say. Maybe they're like another federation or something. And you could give them a real name to other than the sphere builders that would help make it a little less uh, confusing for newcomers. Mm hmm. Yeah, they'd probably hate that name. We, we do so much more than build spheres. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we build cubes. We build pyramids. It's not just spheres. We don't do just spheres. Yeah, it's like some interstellar racism. Like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> the sphere thing again. We're so much more than that. Oh, do, with From a fan perspective, I'm curious, though, because so I'm one of those fans who, when I saw Endgame, as I'm watching Endgame even for the first time, my feeling was they're really trying to recapture the magic of all good things. They're trying to rewrite all good things and make it fit into Voyager as an ending. Do you think that the fan base in general would look at something like the Sphere Builders coming back as being an attempt to recapture First Contact where the Borg came back? I don't think so, really, because I think the circumstances are are so different. And, uh, you know, I never looked at First Contact that way either. Because you could say that First Contact was trying to recapture some of the great Borg stories from the next generation. Mm -hmm. But it was done in such a way that you never needed to see a Borg story before, even though yeah. it heavily referenced uh, Picard's uh, assimilation. But the reason that works so well is because it was written as a character arc for Picard, where he had this complete arc of going from in the beginning, where he was very much uh, approaching the situation and the Borg as a revenge. He, he wanted revenge on them, and he grew as a mm -hmm. character over the course of that movie to putting the others first and putting the mission first. And so if you make the story about something like that, where it's about something in the present, about how a current character is dealing with it. I don't think it's that it's it's an issue, really. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's um, and you know, in in with the cherry on top of that is to me is sort of uh, you can't care too much what the fans might think. I mean, if you're writing something like this, you need to know that you're going to piss a certain group of people off, and other people are going to love it, and and you just have to sort of follow what you think is the right decision for characters and for story. Right, and that's that's often why I will say when when developing a story like this, who cares when it comes to if it's going to piss people off? Because as long as I know it is not treading on the toes of canon and it's respectful to Star Trek and to where it came from, then I think that's what's most important. Yeah, and true to the characters, right? Right, it's, yeah. It's something true. these characters would actually do. I, you know, I just keep, the more we think about it, I like head, heading out this way and, and going to someplace different because I, my, you know, I just keep thinking about what you were saying earlier, Chris, with that first Star Trek movie and there's sort of this adventure of everybody coming together and getting ready to go someplace. And uh, that would just be such a great feeling to me. And, you know, one of the great things about that movie is the sequence, even though it's really long, the sequence of seeing the Enterprise in Space Dock mm -hmm. for the first time. And mm -hmm. I've always thought it would be a really cool story is maybe they pull the NXO. This is actually a story I thought of for the 24th century where they pull out Captain Kirk's Enterprise for like a 75th anniversary. And mm -hmm. they take like this voyage around the solar system or whatever. Or maybe they upgrade it as like this once this like one shot class of ship for the anniversary. And I is that the that one where then the Klingons come back and they have to disconnect the computer systems on the Enterprise because they they don't want the ship to be networked? And then <laughs> I'm glad you said it, Chris. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like about? Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> <laughs> it's a flying space museum. And then yeah. I don't oh, know. Yeah. Maybe some of them are actually Klingons. We'll see. <laughs> but I just an interesting idea to me is the idea of pulling it out of mothballs and yeah, yeah. because then you can find a way to set it in the future yet bring back this iconic design. Mm -hmm. People imagine people would love to see that, right? The original Kirk's Enterprise on the big screen once again. Yeah. 
or in this case, the NX01. And if they upgraded it, that's a way you could work in the refit too, mm-hmm. because they're they're doing upgrades to this design to mm-hmm. for for the anniversary of that ship for the anniversary of Warp Five. Yeah, how far away are we from the anniversary? Is there going to be a? Uh, is that when the movie's going to come out? Is it planned? Is it going to happen? <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> What do you guys think about a film that would pick up with the Vulcans where we would be looking maybe 10 or 15 or 20 years down the road after they found the Kirshara again? I I, I think I could pass on that one. I'm interested in learning more, but I think if there's not, uh, you know, you could sell it to me. And and I think (laughs) certainly if there are other races involved, but I I don't know if I'm ready for a movie set on Vulcan or, or that heavily populated by Vulcans. Yeah, especially because we've seen Vulcans so much through the various incarnations of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like it's it's territory that's better suited to an episodic TV show where you can devote a couple episodes a season to it. But when you have a uh, you know a movie that comes once every few years, it feels like you probably want to do something a little more um out original i mean you could certainly incorporate that into your story if you had you know vulcan characters you could have to reference it and it could maybe the vulcans are involved in this mission somehow etc etc yeah i think that that'd be a good b plot i think that's a good way of saying yeah. that chris i have another idea for you i, I mm-hmm. think this is specifically for you so you know how when you do tv the action has to be kind of muted and you can only uh-huh. do so much within your effects budget and um, how would you like to see a big screen drawn out Andorian fight scene? <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. An extreme slow motion. <laughs> they could sell so, like at the, at the gift shop, they could sell like ice cleavers with mm-hmm. the movie logo on them. <laughs> so the matrix, so the Andorians do the matrix basically. Right. Like they swing the, the ice cleaver at you and then <laughs> you lean back in extreme slow motion and it just misses you. Now we have to throw Klingons into <laughs> against the Andorians. It is in Andorians versus Klingons. That'd be good. Why not? You know, or it could be a triple threat Klingons, Andorians and Archer. <laughs> right. <laughs> that sounds I, like a, a PlayStation game that needs to come out. Andorians <laughs> versus Klingons. It's a fighting game with ice cleavers and batliths. Uh, if, if there's any big Andorian fight, all I know is I need a couple shots either through ice of two guys fighting or two people, whoever it is, or with the reflections in the background of all that. But yeah. Uh, yeah well, don't forget, Tyler, Andorians have four genders. So saying two guys fighting, it, it, it gets really dicey when you're talking about Andorians. <laughs> That's right. I should. I, I, yes. I gotta stay out of their sexual Don't politics. Don't be sexist. Yeah. <laughs> and, but I only said I only offended three of them. I mean, come on. So yeah, you still got twenty five percent, right? <laughs> we think. Yeah. While we're on on fun ideas, how about an animated Enterprise film where Porthos is the main character? Oh boy! Why not? <laughs> <laughs> At this point, is the better question. Uh, is he is he just as he is, or is he got a uh, is he somehow mutated, or can he control the ship himself? Yeah, if we can do a TMNT crossover, he gets mutated by the ooze. Like they go into an alternate universe, and he maybe he can bring in the TMNT with him. Uh, and now we now we've I mean, why not? <laughs> <laughs> and he loves pizza with extra cheese, of course. Yes. Yeah, or how about we find varieties. out what planet he's from? Like, what planet is Porthos from? It turns out he's <laughs> yeah. not from Earth at all. He's we not. went to the dog star. Well, he, you know that lady that lady on Ryza had a dog, and she clearly wasn't human uh, in Enterprise. So right. they have Earth-like dogs on other planets? I mean, why well, not? You know, this could be your, your, our window into your idea, Tommy. This could be Section 31, because we all know Porthos uh, was a Section 31 agent. <laughs> right. So he could be doing all of his Section 31 stuff behind the scenes of, of, of episodes that already happened. You know, and he's running around <laughs> saving the day and nobody ever knew about it. That's like Phineas and Ferb with Perry the Platypus. <laughs> Other stuff's going on. Perry's doing his spy games in the background. It would be Porthos as Section 31 in the background of all the episodes we've already seen. Exactly. But he's really not Section 31. He's really the first time we ever saw the changelings. Oh, so God. he's actually a changeling. <laughs> Talk about setting up the future. 
Right. Wow. It's too bad Odo doesn't have any memory because if Odo was one of those long-lived <laughs> ones and he, he, you know, he did that, I mean, he, did, so, he never told anybody about it. So Great of the hundred that were sent out by the founders, he was number one. <laughs> yes. He was the first one. See, we talked about doing crossovers, and now we're full circle. Now we're doing crossovers. Yeah. Where's Where's Porthos? I can't find him. There's just this bucket of goo. So, <laughs> on a serious note, with Section Thirty One, Tommy, this is something you had mentioned when we were talking before the show. Using Section Thirty One, expanding upon that in a film. Yeah, I I actually didn't mind uh, Into Darkness's interpretation of Section 31. I think yeah, it, me neither. I, I thought it was cool, especially because we hadn't seen Section 31 in the movies before, but I really would like to see something that involves Section 31 more prominently that is doing something a little more spy-like. And uh, it, I think we get the impression in this time that Section 31 is not fully developed because it's only referenced as Article 14, Section 31 of the Starfleet Charter. Mm-hmm. It's not actually referenced by the name of a section in Starfleet. And so I think that could be a really cool origin story that could tie into multiple versions, not multiple Star Trek shows. And it could also develop storylines and Enterprise more specifically with Malcolm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly like what he would do with it, like where it could. I mean, it could certainly work with uh, with the idea you mentioned of trying to assassinate Archer, and mm-hmm. Section Thirty One is trying to stop this. So they could mm-hmm. even be more of a main uh, plot point at this at this point. They could be part of the A story for sure. And Malcolm, of course, would be a higher rank at this time, and so he could still have ties to Section Thirty One. I think it would be interesting to see them doing something like that where, let's say, Orions are trying to assassinate Archer. Section 31 is trying to prevent that from happening because at this point in their history, there's still an organization that's doing things that are more in line with protecting the Federation, whereas mm-hmm. by the 24th century, they've kind of gone in a direction where their original goal, their original mission has become sort of mutated a bit after centuries of doing roguish things behind the scenes right. where they're kind of like, they themselves are sort of a rogue entity at that point. And I'm glad you said secret that service. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking this uh, something similar, Chris. I'm glad you said that because I think that mm-hmm. they played the villain so much and, and they're they're always just the bad guy. And you can see how you know, maybe they think they're doing the right thing, but it'd be nice to see a little bit more balance there, a little bit more backstory. That'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One more idea that popped in my head here, because fans love this so much. What if they did a movie that continued the Enterprise Mirror Universe from In a Mirror Darkly? I, I didn't say that one just for you, Chris. I thought of it. It was the first thing I thought of. You know, there's never been really a Mirror Universe uh, movie. Um, like it, it, that'd be fun. Do you think I it would work? I don't think it would work at all. Neither because, do I. Yeah. I mean, it would. Be, it's fun, but those two episodes are so hard to watch. Yeah, just because I they're agree. so despicable. And I mean, they're they're very they're really good TV. But I mean, the characters and the stories are so despicable. And I don't think it's the kind of thing that would make a profitable movie. It might work for hardcore Trekkies, but nobody else would be like. Okay. I mean, so interesting because I I agree with you that I don't think it would work as a movie. But on the other hand, I think that it could be a very profitable movie for the general public. That's true because it's gritty and it's like futuristic gritty sci-fi. Right. But for Star Trek fans, maybe not as much. And for me, I think that it would suffer from the same thing that we say about the J.J. Abrams films, which is we feel that many people feel Many people love them, but many people feel that they don't really capture the spirit of Star Trek. You know, if you look at, let's say, one of the least popular Next Generation movies, Insurrection. I love that movie. I think Insurrection actually captures the spirit of Star Trek really, really well. Yeah. I think that a Mirror Universe film would not capture the optimism and the spirit of Star Trek, which is what, what you need to be there for something to really be Star Trek to me. 
Well, unless you're bouncing back and forth. I mean, let me just throw right. an idea at you. That This is just spitballing off of what you said. So what if the Section 31 idea and the Mirror Universe ideas were, were, were combined in a way, right? So we're talking about um, somebody from Section 31 goes to the Mirror Universe because they're trying to get something that they think is going to help them out. And they end up trying to do the right thing on this other Mirror Universe. Meanwhile, their double is switched with them. And so then the double is our, in our universe and is running around doing stuff. So you've kind of got this back and forth between two different feels, um, uh, like an inception kind of thing. That could be kind of cool, you know, and you mm-hmm. could see something happen in one universe and reflect the other one. I don't think it makes sense as a $200 million blockbuster um, because it's a kind of a niche thing. But uh, it could, you know, th- there could be a good story there and, you know, give it to the right writer. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I think it's definitely the thing that's better for a TV episode than it would be, like you said, than it would be a $200 million mm-hmm. feature. Well, my, my animated Porthos idea is also not a good idea for a $200 <laughs> million feature. It's definitely number one for me, actually. Can you do that like South Park? Can we just cut out pieces of paper <laughs> and Porthos just moves along the bridge? <laughs> oh, that would Who's going to voice Porthos? Good question. That's mm. that's a hard one. I mean, John Harry Shearer. <laughs> Who? What? It's Harry Shearer. He does about eight voices on The Simpsons. It's Harry Shearer. Okay, because I was going to say, when you look at Porthos, what kind of voice do you hear in your head? John Billingsley. Oh, ah, I, I could do. see that. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Who's going to voice Phlox then? <laughs> <laughs> well, Phlox has uh, actually been killed by Porthos, so... <laughs> If we're Porthos. gonna go down this road, maybe maybe the, somehow they're merged. Like you know, his his consciousness is oh, inside like two of Porthos. <laughs> it's now yeah. it's now Flothos. Right. Flothos. <laughs> oh boy! Interesting. Poor so, Flox. We've run through a lot of ideas here. Any other ideas you want to throw out there before we wrap up the discussion? I'm good. I- I just want to make a plea for someone to actually take some of this and do something with it. But other than that, I don't think I think I'm out of ideas. Well, so that'll be a final point then what you said right there, because I'm curious how you guys feel and how our listeners feel as well. Do you actually want to see an Enterprise movie ever made? Because as much as I love Enterprise, I, I'm looking forward, Tommy, of course, to your film because you're you're moving further out in the story. You've got the NX-04 Discovery and you're talking about things that happen down the road. But like the Netflix Enterprise Season 5 campaign is something that it hasn't really interested me that much because I feel like they did the four seasons of Enterprise. That's where the story unfortunately ended. But let's go on with something else now. Would you really want to see an Enterprise movie ever made? I think, yeah, definitely, if it was done right. And I think, you know, as we talked, it would have to be done as a new story. It would have to be Mm -hmm. sometime after the show. And it would have to be... For anybody who's played, for instance, Mass Effect, the video game Mass Effect, you know, the second mm-hmm. one picks up and all the characters are are off. The only returning character is the main character and you kind of meet them throughout the game. And that's like the motion picture. And so you would have to do that kind of thing. And I think that could work very well. But that said, there's a lot of movies I want to see that are probably never going to happen. <laughs> and Enterprise is on that list for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, if I could walk down to the theater right now and this was playing, I'd, I'd see it. But, I, I, you know, Chris, if, if people follow you across all the different podcasts you do, um, they know you're sort of a strategist about this and you're planning how to get the most Star Trek for your buck down the road. And, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, we need a series. It needs to be on TV. It needs to be for the anniversary. So don't spend time making a movie. <laughs> you know, get get J.J. Abrams like uh, from directing it so someone else can direct it. Like I've heard you like spinning a, a web where you're slowly trying to manipulate the world into having more Trek. And and uh, I think you've kind of got the right of it. It just, you know, it, it wouldn't, it'd be hard to get this greenlit at this point. And, you could yeah. launch a new series with an Enterprise movie though, especially Especially if we went with something like the idea, Tyler, you mentioned earlier about the kid flying the ship Mm -hmm. and, you know, handing the baton off to a new group of people. And you could then explore stories now in the in the burgeoning, the young federation. And that would be new territory that's similar to Enterprise, but still its own thing. And but much stories. more purely Star Trek as Star Trek fans think of it, I think. So probably yeah. they would accept a series like that more easily than they accepted Enterprise. 
Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. Like, I don't think you would launch a new series with a big screen enterprise movie, but they right. could do a an enterprise TV movie that launched into the next series. I could see that. Or you could do them uh, side by side. You could have the enterprise movies going and then you could have this series that is very much in the same way the Marvel Cinematic Universe works with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., in parallel with all of the big Marvel movies, the things that happen in the movies are reflected in the show and vice versa. That would actually be really cool to see in a Star Trek universe. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of universes where that would be cool because Marvel is the first time we've ever seen something like that. And it's very cool how they do that crossover. Well, I guess my final word on it would be to answer the question I asked you guys, if I would even want to see an enterprise movie, if it jumped into the future, Perhaps, like like I said, with the original series films versus the original series itself, I might could get on board with it there. But I don't know. I think Star Trek belongs on television, which Tyler, I guess, is kind of what you're saying about my scheming and my plans or whatever. <laughs> and I'm behind you 100 percent. By the way, I'm glad you're so doing that work. <laughs> yeah, so I would want to see it back on on TV there. Yeah, I, th- I think, again, I would go see if it was in the theaters. But also, you know, I would look at the cast list and who was directing. If it was Michael Bay, uh, I don't <laughs> want to see it. Right? But you could find somebody who would make that, and I would love it. So, you know, I'll, I'll take my trek where I can. I'm just going to throw a name out there, uh, Tommy Craft. <laughs> you guys, the, you may not have heard of Tommy Craft. The Tommy Craft. <laughs> well, I will tell you right now. I mean, we're laughing here right now, but Tommy, you are a young guy. I'm personally convinced that 20 years from now, you will be the Tommy Craft, and then I'll look back. Yeah, Tommy and I used to do podcasts together. (laughs) (laughs) Or maybe you will be the Christopher Jones, who has this huge multimedia network, and I'll be making like these small, like no-budget films in Michigan still. And I'll yeah. be like, man, I used to talk to that guy on the radio. I don't think so. That's, that's maybe in a mirror universe somewhere. Right. No, no. My, my money is on you, Tommy. So. Well, thank you. That's very nice of you. I appreciate that. I don't know. I kind of like the Chris idea. Instead of buying Beats by Dre headphones, Thanks. it's like Trek <laughs> FM headphones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the day Apple buys Trek <laughs> FM. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm going to go listen in my, in my uh, you know, Borg Cube that's specially branded by you guys as well. All that. That's a brilliant idea. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, let, let's wrap this up here. So thanks for joining me today, guys. So Tyler, before we go, tell everyone where they can find you around the interwebs. Well, you were so excited by this last time. I'm going to do it again. You can find me on Instagram at Flintastic. <laughs> <laughs> Go on in. I really, I, I put 10 Instagram posts up for every every tweet, if not 100. And, uh, you know, not all of it's Star Trek, but it's fun. And it's it's Flintastic, F-L-Y-N-T-T-A-S-T-I-C. And that's right, Tommy. Uh, Tyler is the only guest we have on the network who promotes himself through Instagram exclusively. <laughs> I won't judge. <laughs> But really, I'll judge. (laughs) All right. So, Tommy, how about you? Where can people find you? Well, uh, basically, the way to find me is to find Horizon. And that's you can find that at StarTrekHorizon.com or on Facebook at Facebook.com slash STHorizon. Or you can search in the search bar for Star Trek Horizon. I also have a Twitter and uh, I occasionally promote the Twitter. It's Tommy G Dog, D-A-W-G. And uh, that's that's me. Awesome. And you just released, didn't you, the uh, first scene new trailer for Horizon? Well, I I had released the opening scene a while ago for the Kickstarter, and I just kind yeah, of I remember that. Like, yeah. republicized it. And there's also the trailer, which I'm republicizing now, because we've gotten a whole ton more new followers on the Facebook mm-hmm. page, and there's a lot of people who haven't seen this stuff. So I'm republicizing, and the new trailer, which is like your full feature trailer, two and a half, three minutes long, will be out. I'm hoping, I know I always say this, but I'm hoping within a few weeks. So okay. it's the edit is locked, and we're just finishing up a couple extra shots now, and the sound and music is being done. We're having a custom music track for it and all that. So that'll be something to look forward to. Awesome. One more thing while I'm thinking about it, because this came up on Facebook today on the Axnar page, actually. Someone was asking how they can support Horizon now that your Kickstarter has ended. 
Right. We do. So, yeah, the Kickstarter ended and there were a lot of people who still wanted to support the movie. So we added some PayPal donation options to our official website. It's real easy to find on the official website. There's a menu bar support us. And basically for a gift of $50, you can get a DVD copy of the movie when it's done. The DVD is like your reward for donating. And there's, you know, $15 gets you an HD download link when the movie is done and you can get a soundtrack and stuff like that. So if for anybody awesome. who's interested in supporting, that's the, that's the way to do it. Okay, good. So StarTrekHorizon.com. Yes, sir. That. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again for joining me today, guys. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed our discussion today and a big thanks to Tyler and Tommy, as always, for stopping by to talk about Enterprise with me. But this isn't the only thing we've been talking about here on the network this past week. So here's a quick look at some other things you may have missed elsewhere on Trek FM. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. And like we were so busy, we didn't eat like all day. (laughs) I had a Red Bull around five o'clock right before the parsecs. Uh, I could feel my teeth. Like tingling? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Earl Grey. He was robbing the bocle, as it, as they say it in uh in Klingon. <laughs> I, that's a Klingon word I just made up, just to see that. I think we could tell it. The orb. What I also liked too was that Nog said put that in there too to Jake and let people decide. And that just summed up DS9 for me because DS9 is you know, we're not gonna tell you for sure he's a bad captain, even though obviously I think most people would agree that he was. To the journey! Oh yeah, Balana's reading romantic fanfic. Not everything is fanfic, okay? This yes, could it be is. a legitimate author with a legitimate publisher. <laughs> no, this is Klingon Harlequin. You know it is. Warp 5. The Orions, there's something really complex going on within their society, and there's a long-term struggle where the women have flipped the table on the men. And how does that all play out? And it's something where I wish Enterprise had gone for seven seasons and they could have continued to revisit this and we find out more and more. The Ready Room. You know, people have seen that image. That, that image in particular, just that still of her with the Desilu yeah. logo over it, is really iconic. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what I discovered is it's not a still. It's probably 26 different stills. Commentary, Trek Stars. A number of scenes... Uh, from especially the end of Into Darkness are sort of lifted and adapted from Wrath of Khan to be used in this story. Lifted and Google translated into this version. Literary Treks. We all know Troy gets all the, the men that come on, the, the, the all the envoys, actually. You, you notice that she really likes these bad boy envoy men, you know? <laughs> she does. Continuing mission. How is Spock changing? How is he changed from the moment he met Captain Kirk from the, the, the non-mirror universe? What is his ultimate goal? Axanar, the official podcast. So basically you've got this souped up computer with this lens on the front of it. And um, because the resolution has increased so much with these cameras, the amount of data coming out of that camera is enormous. And join us in welcoming aboard Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. I'm really, really glad that you mentioned Parliament Funkadelic. I could not watch this at all without thinking about George Clinton. Yeah, uh, just every time he talks about going to Parliament, I'm like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, who wouldn't want to go? And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out all of these shows and find out what we're talking about in your favorite corner of the Star Trek universe. You can find us everywhere you get your podcasts. We're all over the place. My favorite place personally to get them is iTunes. That's where most people get their podcasts as statistics show. Of course, we're elsewhere for those of you on Android and BlackBerry and Windows Phone and other platforms. But if you are an Apple user, go over to the iTunes store and hit the subscribe button. That really helps us out a lot because the way that search results work in iTunes It depends upon the number of subscribers that you have, as well as the number of ratings and written reviews. So if you'd like to help us out here at Warp 5, that's a great way for you to do it. Speaking of iTunes, if you have a moment to leave us a review, I would really appreciate that. I'd love to hear from you and know what you think about the show. And as I just mentioned, that also does help other fans find the show as they search the iTunes store for Star Trek Enterprise discussion. 
Now, if you'd like to share your thoughts with me on today's show, I would definitely love to hear from you. And we would like to know, I mean, Tommy and Tyler and I would love to know what ideas you have for an Enterprise movie. First of all, would you like to see a movie? It's hypothetical, of course, because we'd have to go back in time. But a movie that picked up right after the series left television the way The Next Generation did, or if it would be something like the original series where it picks up many, many years down the road. Let us know what ideas you have. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can go to our website at trek.afilm contact. There's a form there. Choose to send to a show and choose Warp 5, and that'll come to me by email. You can also send us voicemail if you'd like. If you look in the left sidebar on the show page for this episode on our website, you will see a little widget that lets you do that. Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash trekfm and you can send us one through there as well. You just need the microphone on your webcam or your tablet or your smartphone to record it and you can upload it as an mp3 file right there from the page. You can also find us in social media. Our username on Twitter is TrekFM. On Facebook, we have our main page, our TrekFM page, at facebook.com slash TrekFM. But we also now have a new discussion group just for listeners of the network. That's a closed group that you can join. Just go to the page and click join. That'll come to me and I will let you into the group. It's not an open group because we want to foster discussion amongst our listeners. It's a replacement for our forums on the website, which I've mentioned in the past. We've decided that it would just be best to go to where everyone already is instead of asking people to come over to our website. So instead of having forums there, we're now on Facebook. The name of the group is The Babel Conference from the original series, and I named it that because I want it to be a place to foster meaningful and respectful discussion about Star Trek. We'll talk about the shows, the podcasts that we do, and the things we talk about here, but also anything about Star Trek that you want to talk about. You can always just start a discussion thread right there, and we'll all join in. Now, to get there, we have a very long URL on Facebook, so there are a couple things you can do. You can go to Facebook and just search for trek.fm or the Babel Conference, and it should turn right up. Or just go to our website, trek.fm, and click Discussion on the menu bar, and that'll take you straight over to the new group on Facebook. If you'd like to find me personally, I'd love to talk to you about Star Trek or college football or Japan or whatever you want to talk about. You can find me on Twitter. My username is C, Brian Jones, the letter C and Brian with a Y. I'm also on Facebook, facebook.com slash C, Brian Jones, and I have my website at cbrianjones.com. And then here on the network, I do a lot of different shows. I do The Orb, Continuing Mission, Matterstream, Literary Treks, The Ready Room, Hyper Channel, and I also co-host the official podcast of Star Trek Axanar with Axanar creator Alec Peters. So tune into all of those if you want to hear some of my other thoughts on different areas of Star Trek. Before I let you go, I'd like to remind you about two other ways that you can help us out. One is to go to our Patreon page at p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash trekafilm. That's patreon.com slash trekafilm. And there you will see a list of our goals and also milestone contribution levels. Now, what Patreon is, if you're not familiar with it, it's a lot like Kickstarter, but instead of sponsoring a single project like you do on Kickstarter, this is a way for you to support the creatives that you love on a monthly basis. So you can set an amount that you would like to contribute each month, and that'll be recurring. And it can be anything from a dollar to whatever you want. And every dollar really does help us out here on the network helps us cover the cost of production and distribution and hosting it's quite expensive actually for us to produce all these shows for you guys so we hope that you'll be able to help us out a little bit there we love creating content for you guys out there and hope that we'll be able to keep doing it for a long time to come again that's at patreon.com slash trekfm and you'll see all the different perks there too we have a lot of things that you can get in exchange for your contributions also our sponsor today audible.com is the best place for you to go to get your audio books. And if you love podcasts, you're going to love audiobooks. If you're not already an Audible customer, go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up. You can get a free audiobook of your choice just for trying the service. If you decide not to stick with Audible, you can cancel and you'll get to keep that audiobook. So there's really nothing to lose. And I know you're going to love Audible. I've been a customer for 14 years. I was just listening to some books this morning right before we recorded the show. It's a, just a great service that's kept me sane 
over the years with all the wonderful content. And I hope you'll go check it out and get a free audiobook of your own. And you'll be supporting Warp 5 and the entire network at the same time. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm. And we thank you for checking them out. And we thank Audible for their support of the show. Well, thanks again to Tyler and Tommy for dropping by today. I had a really fun time in this discussion. I think we went into a lot of interesting places, many of which I hadn't thought of before we started recording. So I'd love to hear from your ideas as well. Remember, drop by drop by the Babel Conference, our new group on Facebook. Go by trek.fm slash contact or hit me up, see Brian Jones on Twitter, wherever, and let me know what you think. Love to hear your thoughts on an Enterprise movie. So that's it for this show, everyone. Join me again next time here in the Decon Chamber for yet another episode of Warp 5. <laughs>